This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Omniverse. The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program is for mature audiences only. This episode contains violence, gore, harsh language, child endangerment and abuse, discussion of guns, bullying, smoking, murder, and violence towards defenseless creatures. Please listen at your own discretion. If you find our Stygian story simply scintillating, unlock further secrets at patreon.com slash omniversemedia and help us fund future series via our Indiegogo campaign at CthulhuMystery.com slash crowdfund. Do you hear that? In the cruel blackness of night, an unknowable evil from beyond time cries out. What dark deeds unfold on the streets of Arkham, and which unwitting souls, innocent or impure, will succumb to the maddening call, the call of Cthulhu. Macmillan Arms and Cycle Works brings you part four of the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, Night at Howling House. Tonight's chilling chapter, Bad Brothers. Children and commuters alike. No, there's nothing smoother than a ride on a Macmillan bicycle. A safe and pleasant way to cross town and country, superbly engineered and manufactured. That same superb engineering and craftsmanship is why marksmen swear by the sharp shooting of Macmillan Manufacturing's Matic Ordnance Firearms. These magnificent munitions are machined in the very same factory as Macmillan bicycles, and both exceptional devices are equally safe in the hands of a child. See, little Betsy? There's no need to be worried. That gun will never go off unless I mean to kill a man. I love you, Mr. Revolver. Daddy says you won't hurt us and you'll protect our family. Why is little Betsy safe snuggled up with a six-shooter of sensational stopping power? Simple. With Matic Ordnance's hammerless automatic safety revolver, accidental discharge is impossible. They shoot straight and kill, but like our cycles, they're a thrill. Macmillan Manufacturing puts safety first. They think about it, so you don't have to. Make the Matic Ordnance Hamless Automatic Safety Revolver a fixture in your family, for only fiends need fear its firepower. You may need it only once in your life. Buy now, and be ready at that time. Send for our free firearms and bicycle catalog, Macmillan Arms and Cycle Works, Fitchburg, Massachusetts. When it comes to safety and security, you'll see with Macmillan Manufacturing's Matic Ordnance Firearms, the difference is automatic. The horrors and tormenting visions of Howling House have mounted into grave injury and a gruesome discovery. One of poor little Dirt's hands has been seriously burnt, and then the children discovered a man's mutilated corpse. The sight of it shook that kindly boy to his core, certain that this would become his fate. 
In a fury, he turned on his compatriots and fled into the attic. Meanwhile, Woods and Joey came to blows, only to be soothed by little Chelsea. And amidst all the chaos, the increasingly suspicious Roger has disappeared. Roger! Roger! Where are you, man? Dirt. You're scrambling through the attic, ducking between beams, clambering over boxes. There was all kinds of commotion and fighting down there. Utter chaos. They were probably arguing over who would get to wring your neck first. Just like your father and those chickens. They're all gonna kill me. All you know is that you've stumbled into the farthest corner you could find in the dark. Maybe they'll never find you here. The torrential sound of the rain against the slate shingles above you is thrumming, crushing, almost deafening. Your hand is in so much pain, but you can barely feel it at this point. Cold rain dripping through the cracks, hitting your skin when you least expect it. The air around you is heavy, damp. Everything up here just feels intensely moist. Soft wet dirt in a hole. He likes when we hit him so. Filthy dirt full of bugs. Feed him spiders. Feed him slugs. Uh, I don't want to eat slugs. I'm a good boy. They're not my friends. They're mean. Even fire was mean to me. Oh, but that wasn't the fire dirt. That was the oil. That evil trick oil. You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna light a match. I don't want to wriggle in the dark. In the glow of the matchlight, you see that you're in a pile of papers and quilts, luggage, surrounded by old boxes of soggy documents, magazines, newspapers, books, all too wet to burn. I'm looking for a way out of the house. I'm looking for any windows. I'm looking for any exits, any ladders, any holes. Make a luck check. Uh, 28 out of 40. Okay. Well, you squeeze past boxes and push things aside, but you don't see any exits from this attic space. Something does catch your eye over there in the corner of the attic. There's something on a table. I don't know what's on the table, but I'm going to go over there and look at it. It's a battered scrapbook, and holding up your match with its flickering light, you see that there's a name on it. The Briggs. I think it says Briggs. Didn't you hear that name earlier tonight? Oh, it's Briggs. Briggs. Oh, Briggs. Can Can I open up the scrapbook and take a look inside? Certainly you can. And within, you see all kinds of photographs, newspaper clippings, and writings. Everything in here looks pretty old. You'll need more than matchlight to make out the details. I don't, I don't read at all, actually. So I'm going to just take this book, and I'm going to just keep looking for a way out of here. You start to get the impression that this attic space, it's not as big as the whole house. Part of it may have been walled off. Is there no door into the rest of the attic? None that you can find. But the closer you get to the wall, you can hear something on the other side of it. Squeaks and chirps. I touch the wall and stroke it. And I say hello to whatever is there. It hopes it'll be my new friend. Hello? 
The wood is thin and slick to the touch. Rotten. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to I'm going to go as far back as I can and run and dive through this wall because it's better than death. Maybe. Make a strength check. I have a lot of strength. Two. You well up all your anger, clutch the big scrapbook tight to your chest, and hurdle yourself forward. The rotten wood gives away immediately, and you go tumbling into the larger attic. Disturbing throngs of bats. Make a sanity check. 33. Does that make it? No, I'm 27 left. Oh my god. Bats. Bats are swirling all around you in a panic. Even though they're your friends, Dirk, it's overwhelming. But the thing that gets you is that behind you, crawling through the hole that you just made in the wall into the room with you, is what looks like a bat. But it's the size of a puppy. Oh, is it coming near me? Oh, it is. And it looks up at you with a jarringly cherubic human face, surrounded in downy bat fur. Its glossy blue eyes meet yours. It knows what I did. This creature almost looks relieved. Like, like, like it maybe got itself trapped in there somehow. And, and it's flapping its wings and testing them. Hello? All my friends want to kill me, but I'm friends with bats. Bats are the only friends I've got. Do you want to be my friend? Because I rolled a 59. Out of... 75. Okay. Oh, hey, little guy. You're, you're cute. Can I pet him with my burnt hand? He wants to smell my burnt hand? Want some barbecue? It's not really working anymore. So you want a bite? You want to be my friend? You, you hold your hand out to it? Yeah, hold my little burnt nugget. Make one more be a pow roll. Okay, I hope you'll be my friend. I've got all this tasty arm. Uh, 43. Yes, I, I have rolled successfully. Make one more sanity check for me. Oh, I don't have much more. Nope. Okay. Uh, D6 sanity. I, I rolled a one. Okay, you lose one point of sanity. Oh, that's not so bad. You hold your hand out to it. And you want to sniff my nuggets? This little human-faced bat creature looks at you and turns its head and says, Friend! Holy shit! Uh, yep, friend. That's me. Uh, I reach in my pocket and I'll take out the little bat I've had with me this whole time. See, we're all friends here. It unfurls one of its bat wings, and from underneath it reaches out a twisted arm and grabs the bat from your hand. Ooh, look at that. I brought back your child. How momentous and joyous. It pulls the little peeping bat close and then swiftly bites its head off. Oh, oh I guess that's good, too. But then it holds its arm out, holding the headless bat out to you. The body gurgling uh, with blood. Oh, I can't refuse a gift. I, I'm gonna eat a piece. I'm gonna. I'll drink it. I'll eat it. Why not? I've had worse. You take the bat from this creature. Uh, I guess I'll suck the blood from its neck hole. I don't know. That makes sense. <laughs> the bat thing crawls its way <laughs> up onto you. A nice little perch on your shoulder and, and hugs you. Oh, this is the most love I've ever had in my life. You're my new best friend. It nuzzles its head against you and whispers in your ear. Fred! Oh, that's right. We're the best of friends now. Let's get the hell out of this place. Where do you want to go? We got wings. Mama bad! There's such a thing as a bad mama. Mama bad! Mama! 
my mom is good, but she's also dead. She's a great mom still. She's always here with me, telling me what a good boy I am. Mama, eat! The bat creature holds a twisted little hand. Now, mind you, it's got these big bat wings that actually have like tiny human-like hands on the end of them, kind of like a bat has fingers. But then it also has these twisted little like semi-humanoid arms that are underneath it, like a second pair. And it holds one of those hands out to you and kind of strokes your face. <laughs> Mama, no eat! Okay, Mama, no eat. And then uh, it hugs you. I, I guess I'm your mama now. There's a flash of lightning, and you notice that there's a window. It's all boarded up like the others, but there are gaps. Maybe I can smash the glass. Let's go, Mr. Bat. We're gonna get out. As you carefully make your way across the beams of the attic, there's another flash of lightning, and you see, crawling over the window inside the attic with you is another one of these bat things. And this one looks mean, Dirt. The creature on your back holds out its hands, and it says, growls at you and glares menacingly, holding its ground. We're gonna head back the way we came. If there's something that scares my new friend, it must be bad. Friend! Meanwhile, Just a floor below, investigating another one of these upstairs rooms, one that doesn't stink of corpse. Woods, it seems like uh, you may have found a study. There's a desk with a drawer in here. Well, I opened it up. Huh, looks like somebody's coin collection. Oh, neat. Hey, look at these, Chelsea. Gosh, are they old? Are they from other countries? As best you can tell, you do notice one that's particularly alluring, a large copper coin. There's a fish on it. I'm going to roll my nature to see if I can identify the fish. I rolled a 22 out of my 80. Oh, you recognize this fish anywhere. It's a red herring. If only there was a coin collecting merit badge. Tommy, I'm worried about dirt. All those noises. I don't know. I don't know. We should go try and help him. But this house, who knows what's up there? Well, I'm going to go look for him. And I march back to the bedroom with the dead guy. Oh, no, Chelsea. Everyone has been mean to him, even you, Tommy. What? When was I mean to him? You were the one who made him go to the kitchen alone because you were too scared. Hey, now, that is not how this went down. And now he thinks everyone wants to kill him. Look, Chelsea, please don't go in that attic. It's not safe. Dirt will come to his senses sooner or later. Not if something bad gets him first. And just then, from up above you, there's some commotion, clamoring, banging noises. (gasps) I grabbed Chelsea, and I'm ready to run out of the room. Everybody, make a sanity check. I... Pass. 45. I pass. You lose one point of sanity. Dirt comes tumbling out of the hole in the closet ceiling, stumbling over the corpse. Dirt! And he's holding something. Something furry. Dirt, did you find the kitty? Oh, it's not a kitty. It's a bat. But it's not a bat, because bats don't get that big. What? And bats don't have human faces. What? And bats don't have extra sets of twisted humanoid arms with tiny little humanoid hands caressing Dirt's face. Dirt, what is 
that thing! Uh, it's my new friend, and you're all fucked now! Your new friend?! Yep, he's my new friend, and if you didn't all try to kill me, he'd be your friend too. Uh, no, 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 Dirt! We weren't trying to kill you! Oh, get him, Batface! The bat creature attached to Dirt unlatches himself, opening his wings to about a five foot wingspan and hurls himself at you, Woods. Uh, this is what you get, Woods. Uh, for what? This what is did what I you ever get? do to you? I bandaged your arm. Not very well. Uh, I, I, uh, I. Why are you paying blood? I take the, uh, the, the, the shirt that I had that I was gonna bandage dirt with. I kind of try and throw it up to try and like into the bat's face to try and like block its view. Make a fight check. Oh Jesus! I rolled a five out of thirty-three, so that is uh. That is one fit. This thing beelines right at you. You're able to wrap it up in the shirts that you have that you had taken as extra bandage. And uh, you're able to keep this thing locked up pretty tightly. You, you bind up its wings and it's snapping at you with its, its distinctly human face. Get him, Mr. Batsington! What are you doing, Dark? After a couple of snaps, the thing looks at you and hisses and then says, and then, and then spits at you. That's right, he's bad to me. What? This thing talks? What is wrong with this thing? He's my best friend. What is your best friend? Yeah, you're not my friend. Dirt, tell him You're a piece of shit. Friends. What? You're all terrible. Uh, I, I, take the, I take the thing and I, I throw it onto the ground and I start stomping on it and just, to just smash it. I'm gonna roll be a pal to the bat. Oh. 78 under 80. Woods. You hurl this hideous abomination, this this freak of nature, this affront to all that is found in the scouting handbook to the ground. Hey, hey, come on, No, stop. don't touch it! No, don't touch it! I'm hey, smash it! I'm smashing it into the floor! And before you're able to stomp it, your little sister shields it with her own body, caressing its tiny, frightened head. Shh, yeah. shh, it's okay. It's okay. We're your friends, too. You're a good friend. We're all good friends, and you're Chelsea, cute. Chelsea, what are you doing? You're better than a kitty. Chelsea, get away from that thing right now. Listen, there are a lot of things that I've seen tonight. This is one of the least terrifying things. I think you can calm down. As she says that, the creature extends one of its twisted little humanoid arms up to her and strokes her hair and says, Pretty Okay, and I and I, I, I oh, all right, and I and I rolled be a pal on the on the on the cre- bad creature thing. Oh God. Thirty-two. I'm gonna uh, spend two luck points to uh, to get it to thirty. Woods, you hold your hand out to this little creature swaddled up in your sister's arms, and it holds its twisted little humanoid hand out and wraps its hand around your finger. You seem to have come to an understanding with it for now. Friend? It nods and squeezes your finger and says, Friend! I carry it around like a little doll. Charlie's been replaced. I, I, I hold my other hand out to dirt and I'm like, Friend? I thought you were my only friend. Friend? I roll to be a pal to dirt and try and calm him down. I failed that 91. <laughs> no! 
No! You are not my friend! Nobody is. Woods, you notice that Dirt also has some kind of a big book wrapped up in his arms? It says... Briggs. Like the Briggs girl who died? Perhaps. Dirt, what do you have? Stop! Stop! Nothing! I've got nothing! What is that? It's a book I found. I can't read. My dad didn't let me. Okay, give it to me, Dirt. Give it to me. Take it! I don't care! Just throw it at him! I'm gonna run back into the attic. You're gonna climb back up, over the corpse, into the attic? Yes! As you do, you can hear behind you the creature. It says... No, you're not my friend anymore. I'm out of here. I thought you were my only friend, but you betrayed me. Now you're friends with everyone. I'm out of here. I'm I'm gone. I'm already gone. I'm in the ceiling. Goodbye. Chelsea, you can actually see a little tear forming in this bat creature's eyes, and it buries its head in your shoulder. I give it a sweet little kiss, and I walk out of the room. Oh, gross. Take the book. Chelsea, come here. Uh, I'm gonna grab some candles and go into the room with the desk to check this thing out. What is that, Tommy? That little girl ghost I told you about. The one who cries in the house? Remember what her family's name was? I show her the cover of the book. <gasps> Let's see what horrible stuff is in here. Just inside the front cover, you see the Briggs family tree. It ends with Jonathan, the father, Priscilla, the mother, and their little daughter, Donna Briggs, born in 1894. You see their family photos going a ways back, and within a few pages, you see Donna as a baby, then as a little girl. That's her, Chelsea, the Briggs girl, Donna Briggs. I don't wanna see. They're just photos, Chelsea. Well, they are just photos, and you feel disconnected from them at first, until you see an image dated 1899 of the happy family standing in front of their new house this house, immediately followed by an article about a missing child in 1900. Donna Briggs, the 11-year-old child of Miskatonic University library clerk Jonathan Briggs, was reported missing from her home in Uptown Arkham last week. Oh, gosh. As you flip to the pages beyond, you see that this becomes sort of a scrapbook journal. There are articles going back to before the Civil War, and annotations written in a deft hand. Perhaps Priscilla's handwriting. I should have listened, but who heeds warnings of a curse in this day? Who suspects their daughter's nightmares aren't just imaginings? When the house moans, who says it's anything but the wind? I think of every night I put her back in her room or scolded her. When now I'd give anything to hold her safe in our bed? The other night, Jonathan and I swore we heard her voice muffled as though she were trapped in the walls. Tommy, please don't. But but Chelsea, there might be answers here. There's some kind of clue, something to get us out. These people, they were looking for answers. Well, they didn't stop people from dying here. We're going to get chopped up and sold for meat. You can't help but look to your sister as she cradles that creature. (sighs) The further we search in the archives, the more tales we hear. The more it becomes clear, this there's no mere superstition. This is no coincidence or hysterics. We are not just grieving parents. Seeing our daughter calling out to us in the mirror, something evil inhabits this house. And there's an article 
pinned next to that note. Dark visions at the Barnaker House. Thursday night brought more screams and wild stories from the Barnaker House. Hillary Bleakman, apprentice dressmaker and renter, reported hearing voices in empty rooms, infant-like wailing at night, along with visions too strange to print. This comes after the previous owner took a two-month trip to the North Shore Asylum after reporting being watched and seeing lights in the yard at night. He could not be reached for comment. This is far from the first time that there has been strange reports coming out of this house. Local children and other vagrants are said to inhabit the place at times. It seems there will soon be a vacancy at this location. This has been going on for for since 1885. This 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 article is from 1885. You flip ahead another page and you see dates even earlier. A wedding announcement of Dr. William Barnaker and Evelyn Wyman from 1860. And then Two missing persons reports, Dr. Barnaker in 1861, and Mrs. Barnaker nine years later. The Barnaker house. It was their house. April 18, 1870, Evelyn Barnaker, a benefactor of the French Hill Orphanage and widow of Dr. William Barnaker, is the subject of an ongoing missing persons investigation. It's unclear how long Mrs. Barnaker has been gone. Police suspect months. Perhaps another casualty of the past winter's blizzards. She left no notice and no clues as to her whereabouts. Neighbors and family members note that she has been increasingly reclusive in the years since the similar disappearance of her husband, nearly a decade prior. Mr. Barnaker's sudden vanishing was the cause of some minor scandal at the time. However, no signs of foul play were discovered. Alongside these clippings, there are several bullet-pointed notes. Called Black Widow Barnaker by neighborhood children. Says that she's a witch and ate her husband? Missing children cases attributed to her. All rumors. Uh, Adults say he left her when she miscarried. Numbers of missing children increase after 1861 and persist after her disappearance? Chelsea, we have to get out of this house. How? Roger locked us in! I don't know, but we've gotta get Joey, and I don't know where George is gone, but he's gone, and we've got to get out of here. Is there anything else in this book? Can I flip to the end? The annotations get more sparse as it goes along. The last thing in this book, before the notes stop, is a page that appears to have been torn out of another book. A very old book, and part of this has been underlined. A witch or any beast that consorts with the devil's power will be caused grievous harm at the touch of iron or silver. If those measures do not suffice, there is no substitute but for the efficacy of flame. Joey, you have been looking everywhere for Roger. I tried all the rooms upstairs. I went downstairs. I couldn't find him anywhere. So I'm having a smoke in the parlor. (coughs) Where the hell are you, man? All around you is the sound of heavy rain and miserable, damp wetness. Well, there's a fireplace in here, right? There is. And it's still got the remnants of that raccoon corpse in it. But the flu is open now. Now kick that sticky shit aside. Anything I can burn in here? Plenty. 
There's lots of wooden furniture, there's a rolled up carpet, drapes, even a couple books by the fireplace that look like someone might have been actually trying to use them to start a fire previously. Nice. I'm gonna bust up a chair, rip down some drapes, and use some of those book pages. Get something going. Maybe the commotion will get Roger's attention. Well, you have no trouble bashing up this ruined and rickety Victorian furniture. That's more like it. This ain't my first junk fire, you know. With all the pieces assembled in the fireplace, you light up one of those book pages. It's gonna be nice in here. It catches and the drapes begin to smolder and burn. The flame travels across the fabric a couple of inches. The pages crumple into blackened tissue and then suddenly the flame flares pink and just disappears, <laughs> leaving nothing but stinking smoke behind. What the fuck? Give me a notice stuff roll. 47 out of 25. I don't notice a damn thing. Yeah, so you are extra startled when you hear a pounding on the front door. What the hell, Roger? You locked yourself outside, man. Roger, I know you're in there, you little bastard. Open this goddamn door. Who the hell is that? The pounding turns into kicking, and then all of a sudden the door swings open, and a figure comes tumbling in with the door. It's Roger's brother, Ace. His suit is soaked, clinging to his skin, and he looks furious. Ace! Ace, hey, man! Shut the fuck up, you little brat. Whoa, 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 what's with the hostility? Shut the fuck up. Get your ass out here, Roger. No laughing matter. You've done it for the last time. You're coming with me, even if I gotta beat you to a bloody pulp. I think he means business, Roger. <laughs> oh, so do I. I step out at the end of the hallway, from behind the staircase. I ain't going anywhere, brother. So you're just gonna have to come and get me. Ace charges at you. I charge back. Your body's clashing in a tight spot between the staircase and the hallway, smashing up against the banister. Ace is much bigger than you, Roger. Whoa, 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 whoa! It's your brother! What are you doing here, man? He hits me. He's always hit me. I brandish the kitchen knife with a lightning flourish. What? Swinging fiercely at my brother's chest. Oh, my God! What, what, what did you do to me, you fucking brat? I'm gonna kill you! Not tonight! Not never! Roger, you're crazy! You are done, your brother! He stumbles back, dumbfounded, slumped out, bleeding all over the place. What the fuck, Roger? Make a sanity check. I rolled a 21 out of 54. I'm good. Well, only as good as you can be under these circumstances, because... Holy fuck, you just watched Roger kill his brother. That just happened, and that's not even the worst of it. I look Joey dead in the eye, my face speckled with hot blood, and I hold the dripping knife out, pointing at him. This is how the world works, Joey. You're either the predator or the prey. As he's pointing the knife at you, his arm is rippling. Something about him is just not right. And for a brief moment, he smiles at you. <laughs> and you think you see a centipede 
sprawling across his teeth. Oh my God! What is happening to you, Roger? <laughs> Joey, behind you, the front door slams shut. <laughs> Get down in the basement. Through the kitchen, now! Uh, look, look, look. Hey, this is going way too far. This or is you're idea. next. What the fuck, Roger? If this is what it takes to be on top, man, fuck, show me where the bottom is. Gladly. Don't you just hate it when relatives come by unannounced? Seems like Ace forgot the most important rule of trick-or-treating. A treat might be sweet, but don't come knocking if you can't handle the trick. Now, folks, I swear to you here and now upon this very microphone that here at WIS we are all treats and no tricks. Case in point, all the marvelous treasures that await you, our beloved supporters, if you help us fund our next series on Indiegogo. What's that, you may say with startled amazement? The next series of the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program? Why, yes indeed, I reply. It's called The Case of the Penumbral Gate. And if you love our show, or spooky role-playing at large, we have such sights to show you. In fact, if you are currently in a safe place to do so, I'd like to entreat you, as I'm speaking, see, there's a treats again, I'm entreating you to go to CthulhuMystery.com slash crowdfund. If you do so, you'll be directed to our Indiegogo campaign. Either this campaign will be up and running, or maybe it hasn't started yet. If that's the case, just input your email address and you'll be summoned the moment that we pierce the veil. The treasures that await you within are many. Support our future series at any tier to access the Black Market an exclusive emporium of eccentric ephemera. There you'll find items like hardcover editions of a Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing scenario based on our beloved series, The Terrible Secret of Lot X, written by Keeper Luke Stram and illustrated and expanded beyond our original audio adventure. And if you are indeed the role-playing sort, maybe you'd like to have our Keeper run a game for you. We've also got wooden red herring coins for players who do a good job of chasing down bad leads. Backers can become official members of our in-world organization, Systrom, and get a welcome letter from Estelle and Anjana. Or you can have tea with Estelle. Oh, and uh, did I mention that our beloved sapphic occultists are back? In the case of the Penumbral Gate, you'll go deeper into their world than ever and ride with them on their next reality-shaking investigation. But this case will never be solved without your help. Again, that's CthulhuMystery.com slash crowdfund to go to our Indiegogo page and help us fund our next series, The Case of the Penumbral Gate. That's all for looking to the future. Let's look to the present. We've got some love for Night at Howling House that I'm excited to share. It takes the form of a five-star Apple podcast review from Ben FYM from the U.S. of A., who said, Incredible. The direction this show is headed for Howling House is truly impressive. It's also the first TTRPG podcast I've heard that's spoken knowledgeably about Thelema and even offered legitimate criticism of it. How's that for a fine taste? Thank you, Ben. This complimentary comment goes on a poke fun at prior negative reviews where we were called woke. Now, friends, 
I don't know how much more clear we can be. This is a horror podcast. If you don't want to be kept up late at night contemplating humanity's cruelty or our insignificance in the vastness of the cosmos, you're listening to the wrong show. If this terrifying program doesn't keep you woke, I don't know what will. I haven't slept for weeks. <sighs> now then, since things have heated up, let's raise some hell. I've got for you a fiery performance by Height Keach, a storied rhymesmith from Baltimore. His coarse musical fusions fly like a rock through the window of any stodgy sensibilities you may yet possess. And his latest record, Make Your Own Light, will shake the dust from your rafters and get you ready to fight. All night. All night. This is Mind of the Pond by Height. down anyway It's always been heating up Like needles in an autoclave We all gotta work and wire And we're not, not human Nobody has no connection To the next world ensuing
Thanks for listening to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. This series is recorded and produced in Central Florida and Nashville, Tennessee, on lands stolen from their indigenous people, the Timucua and Seminole, and Yuchi, Chickasaw, Shawnee, and Cherokee, respectively. Acknowledgement of the first peoples of these lands and the lasting repercussions of colonization is just the beginning of the restorative work that is necessary. Through awareness, we can prompt allyship, action, and ultimately, decolonization. For links to aid indigenous efforts, and to learn more about the First Nations of the land where you live, visit CthulhuMystery.com slash LandBack. If you enjoy this podcast broadcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And be sure to subscribe to our series via your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of listeners like you and our incredible team of Patreon producers. Joe Tankrasiodelli, Miona MK86, Sean Hutchinson, Sean T. Red, Josh King, Patrick Webster, and Chris Cohen. And our executive Patreon producers, Big Bad Shadow Man, Marcus Lawson, Jamieson Malone, and Becky Scott Fairley. Join the team at patreon.com slash omniverse media. Episode 4, Bad Brothers, was written and performed by Luke Stram, Kat Blackard, Chris LeBrain, Manda Bruno, Brandon Gerson, and Colin Peterson, with additional scripting and story editing by Kat Blackard, and performance by Zachary forteus Gomb. Editing and mastering is by executive producers Colin Peterson and Kat Blackard. It's produced by John Sebastian Laval, and Jessica Mudd is associate producer. Our original score is composed and performed by Ryan McQuinn and Mike McQuinn of Neon Dolphin. Home for all your custom music needs and more, NeonDolphinMusic.com The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program is proudly played using Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition. Night at Howling House is based on The Dare, a scenario by Kevin Ross with revisions by Brett Kramer, published by Sentinel Hill Press. For full episode credits, transcripts, as well as character sheets and other supplemental material, visit CthulhuMystery.com All characters appearing are fictitious and any resemblances to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This has been the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. Good night. Omniverse. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, Maria Kennedy from Hero Trackers here to tell you about a special report we've been working on at Hero Track Media. With the help of my producer Shayna, we're going to reveal the life story of a mysterious hero that, as far as we can tell, has never been covered by a media outlet before. Subscribe to this podcast feed to learn more about this hero and the strange circumstances surrounding their life and career and how they might be connected to your favorite heroes. Coming soon from Hero Track Media, Vigil. Vigil, Season 1, an audio fiction superhero thriller in 10 parts from All In Productions. Featuring Haley Sanfilippo as Maria Kennedy and Adam Kudashat as Vigil. Subscribe or follow to make sure you're the first to know about Vigil. Vigil.